HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
Snacky Tunes, we're your host, Finger on the Pulse. I'm Greg, staring at Darren. Hey, what's up? I like your shirt. Is that new? Uh, no. I'm actually going to go get like a second fitting for uh, that Martin Greenfield, so I had to put on a dress-up shirt. My jacket wasn't yeah. ready. Your jacket will be ready soon. Uh, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm Darren. Uh, we are living in a post-Oscar haze. Congratulations to the artist. We knew no one involved in that project. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Anyway, one comment I, ha- I have about that is that the dog was there during the um, acceptance speech. Dude, the dog had a seat, and the dog was also at the Golden Globes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just like, well, that's a really terrible secret. Like, if the dog is hanging out backstage, it's obvious that they were one. He had a seat? He had a seat. Hmm. They, they panned. Can you imagine if he got bumped Any, for the dog anyway. and the artist? <laughs> uh, we have Colin Egan, Master Distiller of Bushmills, all the way from Ireland. Great well, to be here. Welcome. Welcome, Snacky We Tunes. tried to get you on last year, but schedule was too tight. Too busy uh, of a big dance shout card. Out to Rebecca, Cornerstone Agency. Thank you for setting this up. We appreciate it. A year in the making. We love you guys. Oh, thank you. We love you too. <laughs> All right. So, for anyone who, and I don't know how they wouldn't know <laughs> what Bushmills Irish whiskey is, Colin, what is Bushmills Irish whiskey? It's just the best tasting whiskey you're going to ever find in the whole world. You know, it's 400 years in the making. Uh, we actually got our first license still way back in April 1608. And all that uh, knowledge and heritage has been squeezed into uh, a bottle of Bushmills now. It's been passed down from master distiller to master distiller. So I just feel very fortunate that uh, I'm in possession of uh, that great knowledge right now. Do you know the actual recipe? Yeah, there's not many. You know, many I know it right now. But How many people know the recipe in the world? There's probably, uh, probably only two or three, if I'm honest, yeah. It, really? Is it one of those things where like there's two copies kept in two safes in two different parts <laughs> yeah. of the world? Well, it's all done on taste, so uh, the copy kind of changes from uh, time to time as well. So the whiskey's matured in different types of oak season barrels. So uh, generally, we try and keep the recipe in the taste, but the main main reason that I'm uh, on this art is to keep uh, Bushmills tasting the same it has been for the last 50, the last 100 years. So how That's quite a challenge. Yeah. How does, how does one get selected for that, what could be a uh, very high pressure responsibility? Well, it's fortunate this isn't TV because I've got a quite a big nose. So, uh. you know, I have an advantage <laughs> over most people. But, uh, yeah, your olfactory senses are very important. So that's your nose, your sense of smell, uh, sense of taste also. But I think really also you have to have a great uh, and a deep uh, sense of her- history and heritage. You, you have to really respect what the Master Stiller did in the past. Uh, you have to be able to uh, replicate that. So the way that we make whiskey today is very similar to the way they made whiskey all those years ago. So we use the same ingredients. 
uh, we follow the same traditions. And if you follow the same ingredients, the same traditions, chances are you're going to come out tasting something very, very similar each day. Um, and I don't do it on my own. There are 100 people back in the distillery and uh, that are making a whiskey every day and they're, they're actually maturing it every day. They're putting it into bottles every day. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a real team effort. All right, so let's... And I, I'm sorry, I have to go back to this. How, do you, how does one get this job? Because it seems like the dream I also job. Feel that's probably your most your most asked question. Yeah, because it's yeah. not like it goes up on like Ireland Craigslist, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's you know, it's, I feel like it's a little bit more complicated than that. Well, I think my whole life was dedicated. I just got lucky uh, every step of my way. I got uh, in, in university. I was uh, an engineer. Um, so distillers kind of you have to be an engineer. You have to be a chemist. Uh, you have to be able to be a great uh, smell. Uh, you got to be able to handle a lot of people because a lot of people work for you, work in the distillery. Um, uh, and you got to be able to go good at finance. So it's all that kind of, it's not easy to get Sorry, into finance? One. Finance, believe it or not. Yeah, you have to look after all the money and all the figures. And That's part of the master distiller's yeah, job? you know, I do everything. Are you serious? You know, it's a big I would distillery. feel like by the time that you get there, there's like, you're, you're just like, they don't want to distract you. They don't want to crowd your brain or any other senses, but just like making sure... There's got to be, like, another numbers guy. No. Ah, uh, yeah. No. Okay, I, I just need to do really, The numbers I need to deal with are really a number of casts. So we'd have 220,000 barrels okay. Okay. Uh, s- sitting in the warehouse at any one time. Um, and really, I suppose I do my main bit of tasting uh, between probably about 9.30 in the morning and about 12. Every uh, day? Every day, pretty much. Pretty that, much. Is, that is a... That's that's a that's a way to start your day. <laughs> yeah. I don't do I don't drink a lot of whiskey. No, no of course, of yeah, course. I actually taste. What you do is uh, we actually uh, uh, get a nice glass. Yeah, the glass is like a tulip shape. Yeah, uh, so you put the whiskey in, uh, and then you have a narrower opening at the top of the glass. Um, I add some water to it, and that uh, concentrates up the aroma to the very neck of the glass. So when I bring it to my nose, then I, I'm looking exactly for it. So Bushmills typically has this nice, light, fruity spiciness to it. Uh, and that's very much what really what I'm looking for uh, each time I taste uh, a nose Bushmills. So what happens when you come across a bad barrel? And how often does that happen? And this will probably be the hardest hitting question we have. But, <laughs> but you know, what? Because, ha- you know, I mean, I would imagine 99 out of 100 casks, perfect. Or, yeah. or not, you know, or need a slight adjustment but what you know what happens how does a barrel go badly or does a barrel ever go badly you know believe it or not uh, because we've been using the same water source for all those years um, we have a very very tight uh, spec on, on our barley that we use so we only use uh, mainly barley from Ireland uh, mm. and Ireland's a very good region for growing barley so it's very consistent um, so if you have the raw ingredient that's really the only ingredients that goes into it mm-hmm. um, we use yeast so we have our own uh, distilling strain of yeast um, and again, we get our barrels from uh, Kentucky. We get our barrels uh, from Spain. And I like to deal with uh, real people. So there's a guy, Kevin McLaughlin in Kentucky, that uh, gets my barrels. And he knows the type of barrels I like. Yeah. And there's a great family in Spain, Antonio Paez, and, and they get the barrels for us. So really, when you add all that uh, in, uh, together, you're going to get very consistent whiskey. Right. So the really... The only chance you get a a poor barrel um, if it's uh, poorly constructed. But you might get one in two years. Uh, What what happens is, uh, yeah, the end of the barrels uh, are actually held together uh, by uh, blind nails. So they're just, uh, and uh, if for some reason the barrel comes a little bit loose, the whiskey might touch some of of that nail. Mm. And then it just gets a little bit uh, uh, taste of uh, metal of it. 
But, but uh, can you save it? No, no. It touches that nail, that's the end. That's it. That's the end. But, but luckily, it literally it happens very rarely. Very rarely. So I think our kind of attention to detail and all the stuff that we do, we try and prevent that. Uh, and the guys that are, that are getting the barrels for, for us in uh, Kentucky and Spain, you know, really help us out in that way. And when did you introduce Kentucky barrels in? Because it has been around since the 1600s. When, how did that like evolution uh, come about? Yeah, I would say if you go back that far, uh, really the whiskey coming off that still um, uh, was pretty much used straight away. Um, mm. You know, maturation of whiskey probably came into being around the 1700s, 1800s, but that would have been really used to sherry casks and port. It was mm-hmm. a big trade between Spain and Portugal mm-hmm. uh, up into Ireland. Uh, and the empty barrels had to be used for something. You know, back in those right. days, uh, they were used for storing all kinds of food. So when the whiskey was stored in there for a while and uh, if it was transported on the ships or whatever, I think really trial and error would have shown them that, uh, you know, whiskey matured in barrels actually got better. Right. So it only became oh, so law. So it's kind of like just like they, uh, you say law? Yeah, it's actually in law now. We oh. have to use them, yeah. Why is that? Uh, well, I suppose it's um, a very precious industry uh, to Ireland. Mm-hmm. We have to ensure that uh, any new people coming into the industry uh, perform to the right rules and mm. regulations. So um, I suppose that those rules and regulations have been perfected down the centuries, and we just want to maintain that. So back in, like, you know, 16, let's say, 15, we'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. You could just, like, come in, like, bring, you know, your jug or whatever and just kind of maybe even take it, like, right off the tap. Yeah, that's Back it. when it was, sm- you know, smaller, in sim- simpler times. You know, yeah, simpler, simpler times. times. <laughs> I think really back in those times it was farmers, you know. That was really with uh, maybe some excess... Uh, cereals mm-hmm. and they pretty much put them to good use if you ask me right well then how did you how did Bushmills survive through all the years and become such the well-known and beloved brand that it is uh, well i like to think taste uh we just simply don't compromise in that taste uh, we've a bottle from 1882 in the distillery and one of my most geeky moments one of my best moments as a distiller i actually took out some of the whiskey um, and tasted it. Now, the cork had shrunk, and the air had got out the whiskey a little bit, yeah. so it was a little bit musty. But you got through that, that, that whiskey that we made, uh, t- or we're making today, was very, very similar to what uh, we were making in 1882. So that was like a, a stake in the ground for me. I was very excited. It's, it's funny because f- food palettes have changed so much over the years. I mean, the radical, you know, when people talk about food from the 1700, 1800, things like that, that even the ingredients itself have changed, but not the drinks, not no. the whiskey. No. And why do you think that is? Yeah, um, well, I think, uh, you know, same, I think similar thing with a lot of wines as well. So I think people kind of get a taste or get a, a distilled um, spirit um, is very consistent. And I think a distilled spirit offers uh, something to your palate um, that kind of remains quite consistent throughout your life. So once you get the taste for it, you know, in your early 20s, I don't think it really changes over the years. Um, where we can get some of the taste to change is if you look at our 16 and 21 year old single malts for instance we actually start finishing them in different types of uh, cask finishes so we finish them in port casks and we finish them in Madeira casks after so, how many years? so after 16 years yeah. and after 21 years so I suppose really what I'm saying is if as people's some people's taste change we can reflect that in our range of whiskies but uh, i think the main consistent taste that lies at the base of all bushmills is still there and really is there uh for the last hundred or last 150 years awesome all right well we're going to take a pause and we're going to talk about new tastes we're talking about new tastes when we come back we're talking about old taste new taste and we'll talk about cooking and pairing and yeah, some toast great. right looking forward i love my toast
Colin Egan, Master Stiller, Bushmills, and um, we are talking about. Uh, we, we were just talking before the break about the uh, 16 and 20 uh, when you're all single malts. But let's go back. There's a few other brands, the more introductory level brands, I would say. So you have the original, right? Yeah. And is that your most popular one? Yeah, we'd, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's the more popular even if uh, you add all the rest of them together. Um, I think it's the most versatile that we have. So uh, the great thing about uh, Bushmills uh, Irish whiskey is that uh, it's so smooth. So when you take it, it's, it's unlike a lot of other whiskies. Uh, you doesn't have the coarseness or the burn. And that's mainly down to the fact that we distill it three times. Okay. Um, I like to think it's because it's got the uh, world's greatest master distiller making it. I mean, uh, that's what I would say. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, so then uh, that's mainly matured in bourbon season barrels. So when you mature or age whiskey in uh, bourbon season barrels, what you get is you get this nice vanilla and caramel and toasted wood feel to it. So And you mix that in then with our triple distilled spirit. uh, You get this very light, delicate, but smooth. So it's great in cocktails. uh, Great, nice. uh, You know, it's great, uh, great for sharing, really. Yeah, it is really good for sharing. And then you have the Black Bush, and what's that? Yeah, so Black Bush, I suppose, is about seven or eight years old, okay. uh, mainly matured in uh, sherry season cast. So it's much uh, softer and gentler spirit. Um, and yet you get this uh, lovely nutty sweetness. So you take a sip, and it almost floats on your tongue. And just when it gets to the back of your throat, then it comes up, and you get this lovely nutty sweetness and uh, the Bushmills uh, succulent fruitiness. It's mainly matured in sherry season cast, so uh, it gives you kind of just a little different feel to it. Awesome. And then we have the 10-year, the 16-year, and the 21, which are all, you said, aged in more port casts. And yeah, like uh, yeah. the 10 is uh, mainly in, in bourbon barrels as well, but it's a, it's a 10-year-old single malt, so again, more kind of a milk chocolate feel to it. So uh, very easy, actually very good with food, and uh, complements food, I think, quite well. Whereas the 16 uh, is finished off in a port cask, and the 21-year-old single malt is finished for two years in Madeira, so it gives you more of a dark chocolate and caramelized toffee feel to it. So, but beautiful. The finish lasts forever. It just seems to cling to your palate. So, a little sip lasts forever. And when you say single malt, what is that? Yeah, it's it's two words. So, single me- <laughs> single means. Thank uh, you. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. So, the single word means uh, it's made in one single distillery, uh, and the malt means that the, all of the barley that's used to make that uh, whiskey has been uh, allowed to sprout. And then dried. And so if you allow barley to sprout and dry, uh, you can call it malted barley. And if you use 100% malted barley to make your whiskey, you can then call that whiskey uh, malt whiskey. I mean, is that generally the single malt why it's more expensive because it's just one distillery and you can only get it from one spot as yeah, opposed to like a yeah. blend? That's it. Malted whiskey is uh, was one of the most uh, expensive cereals that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also happens to be uh, uh, that way for a reason because uh, really I suppose that's the very traditional way of making whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gives you the best taste. Uh, and the most complexity and variety within the, the actual do, taste itself. Do you have a favorite from the Bushmills line? Eee, would you uh, would you ask a mother which of her five kids she loves the best? I mean, okay. just loves we, them all in his own yeah, way. Yeah, no, we have. <laughs> and, and depending on the, the, the time and the situation. Yeah. So let's say that we... Uh, sorry, so give pizza. me a situation, I'll try to Let's, say, let's say with the pizza, as we just got them from Burgers. Yeah. Which one would you... That's pizza. And what kind of pizza is that? That's like Margarita. nice cheese, so you need a little bit. So I think Black Bush would go perfect with that. And for maybe like a nice, uh, you know, a nice steak, like yeah, a hearty meat and potatoes. Yeah, you need something maybe like 16 for that. You're going to have to treat yourself with that. Yeah, nice I, steak. I feel like I should totally be treating myself right yeah. now to a steak. <laughs> um, but there's a new blend. Yeah, so... Um, the, the, uh, the honey. Yeah, and I think you guys tried it. I think we polished off a bottle. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey, you want to know the way to our hearts? Send us a bottle of whiskey Friday afternoon. It won't be there by Monday. 
Uh, so talk to us about it. So it's Irish honey? Yeah, so I suppose it's very traditional uh, in my household and uh, kind of my parents as well that uh, if you were to come, um, uh, you would get a nice hot toddy. So it would have been like honey with hot, some hot water. We'd add some uh, whiskey in it. So that was kind of like the, the source of the idea. Um, but it was so good. Um, I said, well, well, let's try and make something that uh, tasted very similar. So uh, we've come up with uh, Irish honey. Uh, what we have taken is just the Bushmills original, and we've added real Irish honey to it. So it's very unlike uh, anything else that's out there. So we're actually using real ingredients to get, I think, a real taste. Yeah, because most of the time it's, it's oils or essence. and that's yeah. Just, oh. yeah, it's quite... A lot of other uh, honey products tend to have uh, be very sweet. Uh, we tend to more go for the kind of real honey taste. Um, that I think people enjoy. Because so. it's got the more floral pollen, sort of That's exactly earthy it. type of yeah. taste. I think yeah. kind of like a dusty and kind of lavender and then kind of like a nice uh, summer fruits kind of taste to it. So what's the best way to drink the new one? Because it's to- it's a totally different experience uh, than all the other Bushmills. Yeah. So what's the best way to enjoy this? Well, I think it's going to be a great shot. really is. I think yeah. it's going to be one of those that because you can really, as soon as you take it, uh, it's just so easy. And it's kind of almost like a velvet carpet on the back of your throat there. It's just going to be so nice. And I think it'll bring the whole group together. kind of brings a smile to your face when you taste it because uh, it does taste like that so nice. But I think it's going to be exciting as well. See, I've been talking to some uh, mixologists uh, and they're really having some good fun with I it was, as well. I was going to so. say the cocktail game on this. Like, I mean, with Bushmills... I kind of, the most I'll ever mix it with is maybe soda, sure. maybe a little bit of water, but this one just kind of screams like throwing it in with yeah. some other ingredients that could, you know, really open up a whole new category. Yeah, not so not I've been, I've been, uh, I was in uh, LA last week uh, just talking a little bit about it and, uh, you know, some of the mixologists there were really coming up with some nice stuff. I haven't spent a lot of time in New York yet, but I'm, I'm going to meet some, I think, oh later on. I mean, there are so many master mixologists here. Have you, have you been to that whiskey grilled cheese bar that's in Williamsburg? Do you wow. know about this place? No, it sounds um, amazing. Uh, Norman Kills. It's right across the street. It's on Leonard and Grand. It's only whiskey. Wow. Uh, and, and they serve six different types of gourmet grilled cheeses. <laughs> so totally perfect for singing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, but, um, but the place is, it's kind of... I, I'm not gonna lie. You can go back and check with the old episode when I talked about it the first time. I kind of got like a little tear to my eye because it's everything I could ever want. I finally saw a bar that like if I was to open a bar, <laughs> this is exactly what it would look like. But this could be, you know, maybe you know after this, then go that way. Rebecca is nodding. Yes. Well, if, so, yeah, if, she sent and took a note. If you see uh, one opening in uh, downtown Bushmills Village, uh, you know where I got that yeah, idea yeah, from. Exactly. All right. <laughs> so if we were, so if we were to do a shot, what is the appropriate uh, toast for a, a shot of? Um, any Bushmills? Well, uh, you know, there's uh, three guys in the room. Uh, obviously, if we ignore Becca, I would have to see, but there uh, one C, sorry. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not easy for me because I have to uh, leave my uh, beautiful wife at home and yeah. uh, get on that uh, first class seat to get the, when yeah. I arrive in New York to get the limo to the five star yeah. hotel of course, and of course. be tasting uh, whiskey in the afternoon with you guys. So uh, my wife didn't, doesn't fully understand what I have to go through. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, a nice toast when you're among friends. Uh, uh, or when you do a taste with me is to kind of remember my wife and of so uh, we'd pour three glasses lift them in the air and I'd simply say uh, to our wives and girlfriends may they never meet <laughs> <laughs> well played <laughs> well we want to thank you for joining us on the show um, we, yes you have your finger up Darren I do have my finger up because the special event this Wednesday oh yes uh, you're doing a Twitter takeover of Bushmills USA yeah and what is what does that mean? Can that mean I'm going to tweet at you? And you're going to get uh, the real Colum Egan Master Distiller uh, coming right back at you. So and and what, what can we ask you about? 
You, Tim, the world's your oyster. The, the funnier, the better. Make my mind uh, work, you know, over time. So, uh, okay, what can I pair? I'm kind uh, of an adventurous person by heart. What is the, um, can I ask, where's the most adventurous place where you've had Bushmills? Ooh, uh, I think it was in uh, a nice bar in um, Finland. Hmm. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I did not. Cool. That's not at all the. Yeah, it's a bar that's like carved out of ice. Oh right, like ice hotels yeah. in the north. Yeah. That is, uh, to be honest, that's not at all what I expected you to say. So <laughs> that's literally, like yeah. that, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> no, that's great. I yeah. know my favorite place to be honest with friends. Uh, you'd have to come to Ireland, and there's a place right beside the distillery. It's called the Giant's Causeway, mm-hmm. and it's like should be one of the wonders of the world. It's like uh, this perfectly six-sided shape that nature has created. Uh, and it featured one of the Les Zeppelin's uh, album cover. So um, if you go there at dawn yeah. with a bunch of your buddies and you're right back to nature there, like you're right back, that, that's going to be the same as it was for the last thousand years. And your taste in Bushmills has been the same for the last few hundred years. I just think it's a perfect marriage together. Awesome. All right, put on the list. Yeah. Okay. Add, add, add to the bucket list. And uh, All right, so the nuts and bolts. Website, Twitter, all that good stuff. Yeah, you need you need to go to bushmills.com. It's okay. got all that information for you. Fantastic. Great. Well, Colm, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we look forward to seeing you this week. Yeah. And hanging out and uh, knocking back a couple Bushmills. And uh, Rebecca, as always, thank you for helping set this up. And please, please help us eat all this pizza. Yeah. I know. I'm going to go, uh, get in there now.
Today's program is brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Everyone's digging into this pizza. Yeah. We'd like to uh, welcome to the show Becca with one C. Hey. I wish newly. I know that. I know that's not. Yeah, I know you keep saying with one C, but that'd be really funny if that was your official artist name, Becca with one C. Yeah, that would be. That That sounds like a really bad like like tween pop band like from (laughs) Nebraska. I could see it happening though. I could see. Do you remember that Get Up Kid song, Michelle with one L? Yeah, Yeah. I love that song. So there, so there it is. (laughs) And welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Uh, So good to finally have you on here. I feel like this was always something we had talked about, but it seems today. Really, really <laughs> seems like a good fit because really big stuff today. You want to talk about it? Yes, I'd love to. Um, I'm really excited because um, today is the official um, release of my record in the UK on um, with label This Is Music. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's um, it's including the remixes of Let's Run Wild and um, my single that's coming out called Fall Into Light. Um, so really, really exciting stuff. And this is Music LTD, just a shout out, is a good friend of ours, Ali Isaacs. I know, it's so weird, like, all my worlds are colliding right now. It's very bizarre, but his wife, Marissa, was my boss at my internship at Cornerstone. Marissa Brickman, if you remember her. Yeah, small world, small world. Uh, Yeah, so actually really when it was Cornerstone Promotions before the agency. Anyway. Congratulations. Thanks We're very excited, we're going to hear that a little bit later in the show. So where are we on the charts right now? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Charts have not closed yet. Charts haven't closed. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, about your background. Um, you're Juilliard trained. Mm-hmm. How do you go from being trained at Juilliard and into becoming into the electro pop can world? We, can we go back even further? How does one get into Juilliard? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. That's, that's, really- like the, that's the toughest thing. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, um, I was actually studying a lot of different types of music in high school, and I, I thought I was going to get into jazz. And I ended up auditioning for Juilliard because I originally wanted to go into film scoring. And, um, but I had or- always like, written pop songs at the piano, and um, that's really my background. My roots is as a so- singer-songwriter. And um, so I kind of just auditioned to Juilliard as a fluke, like not expecting to get in. And, and then when I did get in, I was like, oh. I, I'm sorry. What's a fluke Juilliard um, <laughs> audition look like? Having- oh, my safety, my safety school <laughs> yeah. Harvard. No, not, not quite my safety school. It was kind of like, you know, the far-reaching dream. And I figured it'd give me the widest palette I could get. So No, but seriously, what is, I have never met anybody that's auditioned for Juilliard. So what do you have to do? Um, you have to initially just send in compositions, and then um, that's the first round. And then Wait, they... you send in compositions. Yeah, classical compositions. So basically, that you wrote. Yes. When you're 18. Yeah. So I had like a string quartet what? I'd written. I was really green, most compared to the most of the other key um, composers there. They had Are you all justifying written... this. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got really absolutely. <laughs> oh, I was really. G- uh, I didn't. Okay, okay. okay I'm sorry. Continue. I didn't realize. Like, apologize for interrupting. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I just, I just didn't. Unre- like, I know for art schools you send in a painting, but that's attainable. It's you get the portfolio. Paint- yeah. It's more than one painting. Okay, fine. Paintings <laughs> and a drawing. Okay, so you, you're how many compositions? I sent in one composition because I had really hadn't written that many serious pieces at that point. So I had a string quartet and. They called me back for the first round, so then the second round was you go and take exams, and you're basically, like, 
killed in front of a, a jury one at a time all these Pulitzer Prize winning composers like rip your pieces apart and I definitely thought by the end like people are running out of the auditions crying I'm like I definitely didn't get it oh my god that's Forget so it. mean <laughs> that, this, is, this, this is how you make it it's, you, you know it. it's yeah it's part of the whole game you know like I mean that's the beginning I feel of like you know facing a musical career you know what I guess I guess it's better than going to some liberal arts school and being like yeah here's a $40,000 a year sociology degree you will make no money and have no job well I mean I guess like the downside of going to such a focused place is like you don't really get a broad spectrum like it was super focused and um, I ended up taking electives at Hunter College and just trying to broaden my horizons but um, it was a great experience overall that's Definitely. so awesome. Thanks. And then when I graduated, I basically realized, like, wait, what am I doing? I can't be in a room isolated from everyone. And I really need to really talk to people in a more direct way. So that's how I started performing. Where was, your, uh, where was your first show? Um, I think it was at the Slipper Room in the Lower East Side, actually. I remember that place. Yeah. I remember when I was hanging out with Zoe and you were performing. But this wait, was back- shout out to Zoe. Zoe, who's my old, old dear friend from... Jewish camp. And hey, Becca's sister. sister. And Becca's sister. Context. Yeah. Context. Rocks. Um, <laughs> didn't you used to do, I, I don't want to say a gothy thing, but it was like a little bit darker, wasn't mm-hmm. it, right? I, re- I remember mm-hmm. seeing photos and videos. I remember leather. I could be wrong. Actually, it's funny you bring that up, but yeah. I, I've <laughs> how, how funny. How funny. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about that today. No, just kidding. That's um, not on the talking points email. <laughs> no, actually, that was a really fun phase. Um, I was performing backup keyboards and vocals for other bands. Yes. One of them was um, Brain Dance, and um, it was a really fun like costume party for me. I got to wear like a vinyl dress and like really high platform boots with buckles up and down them, and I was like, yeah, I can get into this. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, why, don't we, why don't we hear a song? All right. Um, I'm going to play Rage and Fascination. It's a cover by Christina. Great. Live on Snacky Tunes. Christina with one S? Um, yes, one S. But ten Ts. <laughs> All right, here we go. Becca with one C, live on Snacky Tunes. Expected love and passion, but this seems to be my ration. Delta from an high as I feel the years slip by. The flip side of love is hate, they say. When I toss that coin, only comes up one way, but I keep tossing. Such stylish hell All 
that disdains back when mutual acclaim as we perfect a game in rage and fascination rage and fascination rage and fascination as I watch you from your leather patent high boot wearing days into what you have currently involved into? Well, I've always like been a really curious person just wanting to explore as much as possible and different styles of music. And I've had a lot of different, um, a different, different sounds, like different times where I've been trying to kind of find my actual sound as, a, as an artist. And, um, but I've always been into this like really electronic kind of feeling. And... Um, I released some music on my own before this uh, this this is music release. So, um, but it keeps on getting more defined, and um, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of meandering here. I'm not really sure how to answer that question. No, that's good. Who are some of your uh, like influences or people that you love? Um, I love Miles Davis, Stravinsky, um, Chromio, Basement Jacks. Um, my new favorite band is Jessica Six, um, Ellie Goulding, Licky Lee, um, Kylie Minogue has always been a favorite. Um, it's just kind of across the board. I love Boards of Canada, Caribou. You said that you're doing some work with Morgan from Jessica Six. Yeah. Who they were in here as Midnight Magic uh, a year a little bit of change ago. Mm-hmm. What type of pro- what type of music are you guys working on together? Um, it's kind of like weird space disco. Um, Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, he has like a crazy studio with every possible vintage keyboard you could possibly imagine. So it's just been really about having fun and playing with different sounds and um, kind of stacking harmonies. And it's a bit more like soulful than um, than Fall Into Light and Let's Run Wild. But um, it's definitely on the same wavelength. So I'm really excited about it. And he's just wonderful to work with. Yeah, he's a sweet guy. Yeah. What are you looking at me for? No, you look like you had a question on your mind. No, I did. Um, so talk to us about uh, the food that you eat and that you make when you're in the studio. Because we always find that that is sort of the uh, telltale sign of a certain type of artist, of, of what inspires them uh, gastronomically, if you will, and mm-hmm. musically at the same time. Totally. Oh, I love food. I'm kind of obsessed with Asian food. Like, I could eat sushi every, any night of the week. Um 
I'm really into Ikura and Uni, mm-hmm. <laughs> Masago, Tamago. Um, I don't know. Um, I was recently uh, checking out that uh, sushi restaurant. I think it's called One or Eight in Williamsburg. You've been there, right, Craig? Yeah, that place is awesome. It's, and, it's, yeah. and it's been there for forever. And I kind of just, it's like one of those hidden in plain sight type of restaurants. Mm-hmm. It's right next to Isa. It's on South 2nd and White. Yeah, so I got to sit at the sushi bar and like tried every possible different kind of fish you could possibly imagine and it was it was wonderful um so i try to eat that as much as possible is that that what you eat when you're in the studio when you're writing in the studio um i just kind of try to eat healthy like i like to cook fish with um ginger it's it's all very asian inspired like chives ginger lemon quinoa um interesting salads (laughs) and are you able to keep up that healthy eating on the road um well it's kind of tricky, but I haven't really been on tour yet. That's like the next phase, but I'm really hoping that I can I can sort that out because it must be really tricky. Let's talk about these humantations that you brought. Okay. Uh, grandmother's recipe? Um, it's kind of top secret, so I'm not really allowed to say. What do you mean top? <laughs> you can't even say you can't even say if it's your grandma's recipe. No, it, it it's really like it's been in the family for a long time. Um, they were her her mom's recipe um, that she passed down. So I recently got a um, this massive book, like yay big, of uh, family recipes, and I'm just starting to dig into it. But it's pretty it's pretty massive. What's the best thing you found in there? Um, God, it's all so good. Um, huh. I don't know. The hummantashen's pretty good. And there's a cucumber tomato soup, like a chilled soup, that's really good. Mm. I, I'm, ha- I'm kind of having trouble thinking of everything because there's just so, so many things in there. Oh, I'm getting a note. Oh, the <laughs> artichoke squares. Yeah, thank you. Wait, artichoke what? <laughs> what are artichoke, artichoke squares? Um, you kind of like cook them in massive amounts of garlic. and that Wait, but helps. I've never heard of an artichoke square. Yeah, it's just how you chop them up. Oh, really. okay. So, yeah, okay. Not too uh, complicated. Like the heart. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. My favorite. That's easily one of my favorite meals. Just artichoke and a good dipping sauce. Mm, yeah, that's another thing I could eat every day. Yeah, Definitely. I actually artichokes I eat, like, are... California artichokes every day, with, like a honey mustard. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, it really is one of my favorite this. things. I I really it have sounds, thought about this. This is not. Amazing. This is not like uh, something I. Like, yeah. this is not banter. This, you touched something. Oh. Something, yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I feel special now. Um, actually, you know, now that I think about it, um, when I was working with Finley Brown in the studio on these songs, um, uh, we had pretty much fish tacos every day. Oh, nice. Every where, day was a fish taco Where were you day. recording? Um, it was in Williamsburg. Actually, Greenpoint. I forget the street. Good fish tacos in Greenpoint. Yeah, I Calexico? know. Surprising. No, it wasn't Calexico. I, the, oh, Papacitos. Yes, that was it. They actually do have really good fish tacos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Could never get bored of that. Could never get bored of that. <laughs> nice cabbage slaw, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And the uh, guacamole. Yes. To die for. Yeah. Uh, Let's hear another song. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. That's why we are, we're twins. Because <laughs> we think in the same way. <laughs> I, I do the exact same thing. We I like to freak people out with my sister. Oh, with Zoe? Mm-hmm. Is just the two of you? Yeah, just the two of us. Zoe played piano for a while, didn't she? Yeah. Actually, I, I used to kind of make her play duets with me and, and harmonies and she was always really really great at that so she was i, I remember. was fortunate to have her have her helping me out oh and, and before at least i forget big uh, shout out to amrit who brought the idea of booking you on the show oh yeah thanks amrit yeah. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> zoe and amrit on the dosa hut yeah. trailer thing response adventure it's been yeah, fantastic. It's awesome uh so we can play next 
Um, I am going to play Let's Run Wild, which is actually the first song that you, you heard you played oh, before. The single. So yes. Uh, this okay. is the new single off our new album. All right. right. Uh live on Snacky Tunes. Burner. What a jam. Hey, that thanks. Uh, so, 
curious about Juilliard. Um, did they teach you besides you know compositional things like how to be a musician in the modern age, or is it really just music like just straight music training theory? Like any business classes? Not really at all. So that was a little bit of um. I don't know, a little bit of a drawback because uh, I got out and I had no idea what I was doing. It was like falling off a cliff. So, Because we had uh, Ducky in here um, a while ago who's at NY. Do you know her? Oh, yeah. We actually played a show with her, I think, last year oh, at right. Sullivan Hall. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's, she's cool. She's at NYU for, for, as a music major, mm-hmm. and she was talking. It's like they te- put you in the recording studio. They teach you marketing. They like, run the gamut. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like NYU is such a... Has like such broad reaches that you can actually pull from different departments, as opposed to something like Juilliard, which seems so focused. Definitely, that's. I mean, that's uh, one of the cool things about a program like NYU. But um, I don't know; they may have changed it since I graduated. But um, but yeah, that would have been a really nice perk. What was one of the like the hardest lessons you had to learn as like a modern solo artist? Um, like a hard class. Just like how, or? like yeah, just no, 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 just like what things. Real world, do. real life stuff. Yeah, like what do you have to learn about forgetting yourself out there? Um, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I guess. Um, I really didn't know anything when I graduated, so I thought I would just get lucky and get discovered, just you know, um, based on my skills or talent alone. But that's never enough. I mean, usually, unless you're really lucky. So. Um, so that was really silly. <laughs> um, but I guess the biggest thing was that, you know, you have to work really hard and you have to be ready to do everything. And, um, if you're not ready to do that, then no one else is going to do it for you. So how many gigs have you turned down? Um, I usually don't turn down a lot of gigs, but I have in the last little bit cause I realized that not every gig is, is equal. <laughs> but, in the be- is but in the beginning, yeah, that's true. I, ch- I try to do as much as possible, but like if if you know it's going to be a situation where there's a lot of people talking and people are not really paying attention, then it, that's not really what I'm here. To your favorite do. gig? What's your favorite gig uh, you played so far? Um, like, I'll stop saying gig. What's your favorite show? I don't know what gig. I guess. Um, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah. Last year I played um the Mercury Lounge. That was really awesome. It's awesome. And Zach Swag is here, by the way. He's my drummer, so um, that was pretty kick ass. Uh, so what's coming up? So the the single's out today. Mm-hmm. What's up next? So what's up next is um, there's going to be a worldwide official like online release with This Is Music on March 19th. And um, we'll be playing a show in in conjunction with that. So In New York? Uh, yeah. Yet to be, date, yes, to be announced. So it'll be a surprise. And then also I have um, a Boots 17... Uh, commercial coming out um what's what's that it's um it's like a makeup commercial that um i wrote the music for and zach assisted me in, in the music writing of that so and then they um flew me over to shoot the commercial so that'll be uh launching next week i think march awesome. 6th on tv um it's gonna be online i think on the um facebook 17 cosmetics page so Ooh. you can peep that there yeah, that's awesome. it's basically like a full length uh, song. So it was basically like shooting a music video. So it's not a real awesome. commercial. Yeah. So uh, well, we want to thank you for joining us. Thanks and before so we much. have you play one last song, why don't you give us like the nuts and bolts where people can find you? Yeah. Follow you. Sure. Um, well, I'm on Tumblr um, under Becca Dreams. That's B-E-C-A and then Dreams. Um, and then Facebook and Twitter also at the same handle. So you awesome. Ch- well, thanks so much. Uh, thank you, Colm. For joining Thank us you. today. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca, again. Uh, next week, we have our really good buddy, Ramesh, playing live in studio, who used to be in Vox Trot. So we're really, really excited That's about awesome. that. And I think it's also the Do or Dine guys. 
Oh, amazing. And then in two Innovators. Weeks, and then in two weeks, we'll have um, Amrit on from Stereo Gum uh, doing his South by Southwest uh, preview. Second. And he was just added to our South by Southwest panel with Richard Blaze, which is happening that Friday the of the music at 3.30. Yeah, that's good. I don't know, was the 17th? I don't know, the, something like I think that. it's the 17th. 60th or 17th. But it's going to be awesome. 16th. 16th. We'll be in Texas, y'all. Uh, so what are you going to take us out with? I'm going to take you out with Fall Into Light. Awesome. Amazing. Well, uh, thank you. Congratulations <laughs> to all the Oscars. Winners and losers. You're all great stars. Wow. <laughs> congratulations. And congratulations again for your record coming out today. Yes. So really much. awesome. Uh, yeah. All right. Take it away.
Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.